The Knowledgeable Provider Podcast is intended primarily to entertain, also to inform, but it is not a substitute for actual medical training and should not be used by anyone to diagnose or treat any medical condition in themselves or others. If you need medical advice, please make an appointment to see your own knowledgeable medical provider. The opinions expressed by me and anyone else who happens to appear on the podcast are solely those of the people expressing them and are not necessarily representative of any other entities. Other than the lunches at the office, I do not receive any sort of compensation from pharmaceutical or medical device companies, and I have no other relevant financial disclosures. Look, this is all for fun, okay? Don't sue me. All right, on with the show. Hey, welcome to Knowledgeable Provider. I'm your host, Jody Marks. This episode is actually an episode of another podcast that I was asked to be a guest on. I was asked to sit in on a panel discussion on gender roles in nursing for an episode of the Crossing the Streams podcast, which is produced by Calhoun Community College here in Decatur, Alabama. The hosts of that podcast are Dr. John Gaines, who is a professor of history, and Dr. Sheila Bird, who is a professor of English. The third person on the panel is the other guest, Dr. Stacy Powell, who is a nursing instructor, was one of my nursing instructors, actually. I think we had a pretty interesting discussion. Of course, I'll put a link to the Crossing the Streams podcast, which you can find on Spotify in the show notes. And that's really all there is to say. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Crossing the Streams. I'm Dr. John Gaines. And I'm Dr. Sheila Bird. I'm Dr. Stacy Powell. And I am Jody Marks. Cool. And what do you guys do? Uh, <laughs> well, I teach in the uh, nursing department here at Calhoun and have been here since 2008. Okay. And I'm a family nurse practitioner here in Decatur and a, I guess you'd say an adjunct instructor in the nursing department. Awesome. I show oh, okay. up and lecture at times. Okay, neat. Very, very cool. Um Something like I kind of wanted to sort of steer this episode toward gender in nursing because uh, as a historian, we, we see some really, really interesting changes over that uh, over two centuries. And something that I've noticed um, outside of nursing uh, as, as a person outside of nursing, I don't know what that is. Uh, a non-nurse, John, a non-nurse. Non That's cool. Uh, maybe over the last... 15 or possibly 20 years, we're seeing more and more male nurses, which I, I think is honestly really, really cool. But we're seeing more and more. What's kind of the percentage do you guys think that we're sort of sitting at maybe? Well, there, like you said, there's been like a steady increase over mm -hmm. the last 20 years uh, of um, uh, males entering the nursing profession, um, the latest stat that I've seen is uh, in 2021, our male numbers were 13.3%, which is about a 7% increase uh, since 2008. So we are seeing um, increases there, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, some of the reasons that that males are choosing to go into nursing now is because of, you know, educational opportunities, um, because of the benefits that um, the the 
job and the organizations provide, and also because there is just lots of available positions out there for nursing uh, now, um, and that's even going to worsen over the next several years as some of our the baby boomers, of which I'm one, uh, will start to retire from those professions, and um, so the need is great. Okay, I, I have a question about something you said. Um, okay. What what do you consider really good benefits, or what what do you think people consider good benefits? Well, I, I really think that um, one of the main benefits is pay is pretty good. Okay, in in, in comparison to other jobs. Now, yes. you're never going to find somebody who thinks they make enough. You know? right. Um, right. However, um, with the the scope of the practice. Um, um, it's pretty good in comparison to other jobs. Okay. Um, other benefits is, you know, if you're working for um, organizations, they have, you know, good retirement. They uh-huh. typically have um, paid time off, vacation, um, you know, 401ks. LMNOPs, whatever those are called, (laughs) you know, you know, retirement benefits and things like Mm -hmm. that. So, um, um, and, and I really, the benefit, one benefit in ways why a lot of people go into nursing is just the joy and the patient and the satisfaction Mm -hmm. that you get Mm -hmm. from, from doing that, doing that job. Yeah, Yeah. I understand that. And and that makes sense. I mean, most benefits are about what are you going to get paid and what's retirement going to look like and what's right. vacation? Right. That makes perfect sense. But I do understand because I, I get that feeling about my students, and I know you probably do too, and I know right. John does it. Yeah. When you have students that you really, really want to help, you feel good when you're able to help them. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So that, that makes total sense. Yeah. And, and something that we talked about prior, well, before we started recording today is, once you get in there, you can go into a position and then segue all over the place with a little, you know, some mm-hmm. extra training and, and things like that. You sure. can end up in a vastly different place than you started. Sure. Jody is an excellent example of that. Sure. And that's a huge advantage of nursing in general, too, that I would say is a benefit is that you in general, you don't have to have a lot of extra training, like you're saying, to jump mm-hmm. between areas. So if you get tired of one thing and just move to something else. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of job security involved too, because any anywhere there's anything happening medically, there are nurses there, yeah. whether it's the traditional roles we think about or more administrative or more um, even insurance based, you know, not even seeing patients. So oh, yeah. uh, it's a great yeah. field for all of those reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great. Cool. Well, um, I thought I would kind of start us off uh, sort of taking a historical take on this. Um, something that we kind of Today, we sort of think it's getting better, but we, we sort of think about nurses as, as a female-dominated profession. And prior to 1862, 1863, in the middle of the Civil War, nursing is absolutely male-dominated. You don't really see but a one-off female mm-hmm. nurse. You, you just don't really see that. Um and and one of the reasons at the time is that that women are thought of as being extremely extremely fragile. W- women do not have very high constitutions. Um, if you know they're seeing uh, patients that have a traumatic injury or or a serious disease or something like that, the thinking at the time, you know, prior to eighteen sixty two sixty three, is that women would just faint. 
like you're just gonna pass out if you run into something now, like can, that. Can I just yeah chime in here because you know that irritates me. It's very irritating because yeah. I think I want to see anybody have a baby and still be fragile. Oh, we know this is totally not true. We are the wimps. Like, there's no, there's yeah, no I, question I know, about that. I know that, yeah, but I'm just saying that's just an odd thing to think about women right. who are having childbirth at home with no help of medicine or anything. And I think, you know, why would you think you couldn't see some blood or yeah. see some wounds or whatever? It was just the attitude of the day. I know it was. Uh, it's know, just irritating. Um, nurses... Nurses that were female back in that time were considered loose women. Yeah, they were sort That's of. That's exactly where I was of, about to go. Yeah, they were <laughs> yes. like prostitutes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Because that's that's the profession where women are seeing men in various states of undress and, mm -hmm. you know, various body issues and possibly, you know, some kind of healed injuries and, and things like that. And so, yeah, if yeah. anybody was a nurse, you you suspected their morality a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, before we before we move on a little bit to that, uh, I did want to kind of highlight uh jody was talking about us being the wimps um <laughs> you know i hate this about myself but i really really want to donate blood so much and, and i used to live in germany and so for the longest time i couldn't until the red cross relaxed that and, and now I, i've tried to donate blood twice and i try my hardest to absolutely go unconscious like every time i'm sitting in there in their blood mobile outside of MSA, <laughs> and I am sitting there trying to just pass out, and there's students all around me, and I'm just like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> and, and it's crazy to think that, you know, that that we are the ones that are not supposed to faint, and we're not supposed to pass out. We're supposed to be these, these manly yeah, men. Yeah, <laughs> you, you just can't pin that on anybody, though, because yeah. honestly, I've never had children, and I probably could not. I would be so beside myself <laughs> to think I had to have a child. But also, I'm bad. You know, I told you when you were talking about popping your knee back mm -hmm. in place or whatever, I'm pretty sure I would have fainted because Mitchell, like we had to pop his shoulder back in place and mm -hmm. it was a doctor doing it and I was standing close to it and I went, I've never fainted, but yeah. I thought, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to, but I didn't. <laughs> That's rough so, to say though too. Uh -huh. and, here. And, and, here. and here, and especially with somebody you love. That's you know, right. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yes, well, but, and I think everybody in medicine will tell you they have their thing that they just don't, a yeah. lot of people don't do well with suction, you know, suctioning yeah. secretions yeah. out of things or bones grinding, that kind of yeah. thing. Even really? people who work in the field have, wow. have things. Yeah, they have yes. things that don't that set, just, you know. But they still have to do it. But they still have to do it. Yeah. 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 Right. See, that's the difference in me and them. Because I'd be like, ah, no, I'm leaving. <laughs> that's wild. I thought that, like, I'm lumping y'all together, but I, I thought that, that you guys would just kind of get just immune to whatever. Just well, you get, I think you get better at it. Okay. You do get better at it, but there are, I mean, I can still, there are certain things that 
You know, I just, you still do it. And it's like we teach our students, you put your nurse face on, you take care of what you need to take care of, and then you can make the faces, you know, in the break room. Yeah. You know, not with your patient and things like that. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. It's sort of like when you have to use your teacher voice. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely don't turn into a machine when you get medical training. Yeah. You just sort of learn to deal with the emotions. I just really thought y'all just weren't as queasy as me. Yeah, that's that's you know, I, I can't handle, you know, somebody throwing up. I'm just like, oh, leave me. <laughs> you know, I got to get out of this yeah, room. Yeah. And a part of that, too, is probably the reason I didn't have children, because I'm like, oh, there's a lot of leaky stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a medical term, leaky stuff. Yeah, thank you. I knew you would understand that. Thank you for knowing that, that medical term. Oh, um, <laughs> getting back to the loose women. I'm sorry. Uh, a, a oh, yeah, of course you want to go there, John. John's ready to get back to the loose women. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what is really cool, though, is, is that during, during that time period, even in the 1830s, that question about female nurses' morality actually makes its way into national politics. Um, Andrew Jackson's mother was a nurse during the American Revolution. And during the 1828 election, the John Quincy Adams camp, who he was running against, Mm -hmm. was just going after Andrew Jackson's mom. You know, Andrew Jackson's mom was absolutely a prostitute during the American Civil War. And that election had a a tremendous amount of wonderful mudslinging. It it was fantastic. But the best part was, you know, Andrew Jackson's mom's a prostitute. Because Did they actually say that? Probably worse. Okay, well, I know, but I mean, they didn't but, say she was a nurse, so no, that means, no, no it no. was like she was, she was yeah, yeah, okay. So it's like politics today. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, the the, Adam, the the Jackson camp did hit back that, or no, 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 yeah, the Jackson camp uh, fired back at Adams saying that he wore silk underwear because he was a dandy and not <laughs> a get-your-hands-dirty kind of a guy and stuff like that. So this I love politics. A, yeah, this was a wonderful, wonderful wow. election. Um, but, you know, when you get to the Civil War, though, there's a, a absolute— you know, loss of able-bodied men. Those guys are being pressed into the military. They're being drafted. And so women are going to enter nursing at a really, really high rate. And and I don't know if, if women kind of dominate the profession, you know, right there with the Civil War or if it just kind of like slacks off. I've, I've never reached out into that. But mm-hmm. it's kind of cool though, like, Teachers do the same thing. K through 12 teachers, that was a, a male dominated profession. This mm-hmm. is going to also argue Sheila, definitely. It was thought of that women could not be in charge of small children. They can have them, but they can't right. do anything with them when they do. <laughs> they change diapers, but after that. Yeah, it was, it's so strange that, that women are mothers and, and that have that reputation. But the mm-hmm. idea was that women yeah. could not control small children. It's really good that Mitchell's not here today because I would have a lot to say to him about being a man um, on the way home. <laughs> Is he going to get in here? He might. <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of neat to me anyway. It's neat that it, it stays there until uh, maybe 
1980, 1990, when you're starting to see a little bit more in the way of, of men nurses. Mm -hmm. And then I know it's going to be a correlation, it's not causation kind of a thing, but the movie Meet the Parents comes out in, two, in the year 2000, where you were talking earlier about mm -hmm. those numbers are changing. I kind of wonder if if Robert De Niro giving Ben Stiller an absolute hard time, hard time mm -hmm. about being a male nurse and Ben Stiller defending it in the movie kind of made it more acceptable for for men to be nurses. I wonder if it, that that's do you think it, literature. You don't think so? Yes. Okay. So you think that he wasn't necessarily standing up for the ones that already were more than just paving the way for more. I, I kind of think yeah. maybe. Okay. And, 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 and I love that movie. Yeah, I do too. And I, 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 it's probably definitely not, you know, this is the thing that changed, you know, nursing, you know, gender ideology mm -hmm. or anything. I think it kind of chipped a little bit. Well, but, it. you know, popular culture does that. Yeah, so. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and as I was telling you beforehand, when I went through my uh, program in um, 80, um, <laughs> I had three, three males in, in my class, and they were they were there to get an advanced degree. Mm -hmm. They were not, their plan was not to be bedside nurses. They, they were, their plan was to go to anesthesia school. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And that was, that was, and they did, they, you know, they, they were successful. Um, but, you know, even in the seventies, sixties, um, Male nurses, and there were very few, um, but it was just the, the thought that if you were a male nurse, it was because you were not smart enough to be a physician. Oh. Oh, that makes sense, too. Um, and yeah. so um, that that mindset had to change. Uh -huh. And so, um, you know, the the uh, that takes a while, like you said. You know, popular culture mm -hmm. has to change. Uh -huh. And um, I don't think we see that now. But, but certainly with some of the older population, they probably still have that mindset to a degree because mm -hmm. there's still issues, you yeah. know, oh, yeah. there mm -hmm. for, for males in um, – um, in nursing. Um, but I think, you know, they're looked at much differently today, you know, and, oh, men, yeah. and men go into it, I believe, I, you know, <laughs> to be, they want to be a nurse. That's their calling. Mm -hmm. They they want to be a nurse and not necessarily, you know, a nurse anesthetist or something like that, you know. So yeah, it's, I, I personally believe <clears throat> that if I had had a male nurse for having a child, I would have probably been I might would have been more interested because I just heard all these stories and I happen to know a nurse that does this. She had to get out of the, you know, doing the birth stuff because she would say stuff like they're whining and crying about. I mean, I heard her say this. Um, they're whining and crying about uh, having a baby and. They shouldn't have gotten pregnant if they didn't want to have one. Well, see, I think men would be more empathetic because, you know, they're like, oh, my goodness, I never do that. So it might yeah. be better off. <laughs> and I think it's fair to say that men still gravitate towards certain areas of nursing. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't think I've ever met a male OB nurse. I'm sure there are those out there. I think there probably are. I've heard people say that. Right. I, I mean, right. I, I don't know. Um, you know, my... 
I actually spent most of my RN nursing career at Women's and Children's Hospital, uh-huh. which is which a large part of the hospital is, you know, peripartum, uh, antepartum, OB, labor and delivery. And you couldn't, I mean, other than the fathers who were there, I don't think there are any males who worked in any of those departments. Uh, we, had, we had males in pediatric and neonatal ICU in the ER. But uh, yeah, so I think I think there is still a lot of discrepancy between units that males would feel welcome in versus not. Okay. And, and even as a male nursing student, that, that's a big thing when you'd go do your OB rotation. You know, it's it's kind of it's almost unusual if you actually get to see a birth because nobody nobody wants male students in the room. Hmm. So yeah. there's still some some discrepancy there. And then yeah. that's also I can't imagine, or well, I can't imagine that that that's a, a very sensitive moment. You know, like right. for me to like you know rip my arm open. Or hopefully, I don't. But uh, you know, that's like eh, if you want to have somebody come in and, and show people that. But the whole sure. birth issue well, is a little yeah. bit more. I don't think like, you want less, an audience. Yeah, oh, I understand. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not suggesting it should no, no, be no, anything no. different. Oh, I know. I know totally that. I know what you're saying. Right. Yeah, totally yeah. understand. You're just not going to have that, and that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. But but you do see moms, laboring moms, a a little more willing oh, yes. to let well, people in. Cool. Some are like, absolutely not, male or female. No, yeah. I don't want an audience. Um, but some, you know, they yeah. society's changing. They're, Culture changes. Absolutely. I'll, so, I'll, and it's I'll, not prevalent, but yeah. it, you do But I think it'll be more and more. And it may be, and I'm probably going to irritate somebody, but it may be more prevalent to not have them in the South because of we, we are a little bit more a lot more reserved down yeah here. We, we are more, more reserved and reluctant to change gen- we have that gentil <laughs> nature you know gentility yes, yes. <laughs> reigns for some people not for me but for some yeah <laughs> you can <laughs> say it out loud me either me either, me either. <laughs> thank you gotcha <laughs> All right. Oh, well, Sheila, do you want to kind of? Yeah, I didn't literature? know. You know, I kind of, like I said, took a tangent, but I'm. I will say this. <laughs> this is why it happened. But first, let me say that, of course, probably the most famous writer in America that was a male nurse is Walt Whitman, and so, um, and he has a poem, um, "The Wound Dresser." But he was, he served as a nurse during the American Civil War. What happened was his brother was fighting and he had become wounded in battle and he was recovering in a hospital in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And so Whitman rushed to his aid. You know, Whitman is the man that gives us the American everyman. Mm -hmm. So he goes to help and his Brother's injury was basically superficial, uh, and it was a jaw wound. But I think about a superficial jaw wound in the American Civil War, not like a superficial jaw wound yeah, today. Yeah, that sounds. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, but anyway, um, he, Whitman was so moved by this and by what he saw that he hopped a train to Washington, D.C., where he stayed for three years as a volunteer nurse. And uh, he later referred to himself not as a nurse, but a visitor and consolatory. So, and he said he, this is, these are his words, he was bringing soothing invigoration to the soldiers. Mm -hmm. 
which I thought was a nice way to say it. Yeah. Um, and he described it in several famous uh, poems. Uh, he described it in one of his famous poems called Drum Taps. But uh, The Wound Dresser is probably the one that most students might know. The Wound Dresser's description of what he deemed significant to the nursing profession at the time of the poem's composition. He describes the devotion sacrifice, and compassion that is essential to this noble profession. And the descriptions of the wounded soldiers in the poem, uh, those descriptions are very authentic because he was, you know, the American everyman, mm -hmm. and uh, he had enough nursing experience to be uh, authentic, and he had intimate knowledge to be uh, of the hospital scene for wounded soldiers. And what I like to tell my students, and if I'm wrong, y'all just correct me, okay? But I tell my students that it's right after the Civil War that Joseph Lister learns about germs. And so that's too bad. I mean, I'm glad he did, but mm -hmm. boy, it would have been nice. Oh, yes. We wouldn't probably wouldn't have had as many uh, legs amputated. But anyway, uh, this I just took one excerpt from his poem, and I thought everybody might like this. This is from The Wounded. Bearing the bandages, water and sponge, straight and swift to my wounded I go, where they lie on the ground after the battle brought in, where their priceless blood reddens the grass, the ground. And so, you know, it, it's very descriptive and mm -hmm. a moving part of the whole poem is. Um, and what that led me to is first thing when I was looking of the kinds of things I want to talk about with y'all, um, that the first line that I got, and it was not attributed to anybody, but luckily I happen to know who it should go to. But anyway, the first thing I got was fictional nurses continue to be predominantly female. The term nurse and woman are almost synonymous well, there was no, and it said, uh, as a result, male nurses currently constitute between 6 to 8% of nursing workforce in the USA anyway. So um, I thought that reminded me of, this is where I go on a tangent, so I'm sorry. Okay. But I just got to. <laughs> go ahead, go. Because y'all, I think y'all will maybe like it or maybe you'll just hate it. And it's it's fine either way. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but the main, the person who said that, was an America, a famous American literature critic named Leslie Fiedler. And Leslie Fiedler is best described, and this is how I would describe him, as the provocative American literary critic. So he always made you think way outside the box. So he wrote a very well-known, if you have a, cla a, a classic literary degree um, from, say, I would say mostly baby boomers, and I have to say it, baby boomers, it kind of irritates me because I was never a baby boomer until recently, and they just tagged us on in because we, yeah. were, we were in nothing. You know, we were just in a gap, uh -huh. and so all the baby boomer talk, and I was like, well, I'm not one, and then all of a sudden, 
they just threw us in there. They, they threw your birth year in there. Yeah. So anyway, um, but all the baby boomers read this, and of course I did. So I guess I'm a baby boomer. Um, but uh, it's called it's it's about Huck Finn, and it's called Come Back to the Ralph Huck Honey. And what it is is it's a he sets up the idea that becomes a recurrent theme in American literature. And so this is how I think it kind of fits the idea of nursing. It's all about males. And he says that there was this recurrent theme in all great American literature uh, of an unspoken homoerotic relationship between men. Well, men nursing men kind of works there. And, you know, we're not talking about homosexual. We're saying that men loved one another in a way that they understood each other, you know. Mm -hmm. So that could preclude them or it could include them because the soldiers were men. So, you know, or they can say, well, they could never do that. And so um, there's a whole bunch of America, there's a, a whole bunch of male bonding in American literature um, and his famous book, Fiedler's, is Love and Death in the American Novel. And in that, he talks a whole lot about homoeroticism. So I decided I would ask y'all this. See, see how many of these. I think you're going to know a lot of them. I'm not, it's not a test. Okay. okay. I'm not giving you a test. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he's one of the first. And then there were uh, critics that followed in his path to say that there's a whole bunch of American literature where that explore race, gender, and sexuality. And it's where these pairs of men go off into the wilderness of America and they hang out together and become really good friends. And the pairing is a wasp, a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, and what critics and he termed the other anything that's not a wasp. And that's first set up by James Fenimore Cooper in The Last of the Mohicans, where you have Hawkeye, Mm -hmm. and he uh, goes with the last Mohican chief into the wilderness, and they depend on each other. And Fiedler says it's sort of a, hey, man, I, you know, I really admire you and everything you can do, and you admire me. So this is where the fun comes in. Okay, so if James Fenimore Cooper, hardly anybody, at least anybody I know, reads him, but he did set up that pairing. Okay, so then I said, okay, let me see how many of these I can think of. Okay, of course, Huck and Jim. And, you know, in that, some people write that Jim becomes a father figure, but he takes care of Huck, even though he's a slave and and mm-hmm. African-American. He takes care of Huck in the way that Huck's father never does. His father is just awful. Um, and that's the best thing I can say about him. I could say a lot of other mm-hmm. things, but I won't. Um, but anyway, um, so let, let me, y'all, y'all just, Try for a minute to think of movies because that has gone on. It's still going on today. That pairing yeah, of two men, buddy films. Yeah, stuff. the buddy <laughs> films. So I'm going to start with The Lone Ranger and Tonto. Okay, so that's not. I mean, it's a film, but it's also a show. So anybody got any? Think Star Trek. 
think Star Trek, John? Oh, I, actually, I was going medical in the 70s, um, Mother Jugs and Speed. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yes, good, good. That's a good one. Sure. Excuse me. But, you, you know, can... if you, you think about sci-fi does it, too. They mm-hmm. carry that whole thing on with uh, Kirk and Spock. Yeah. And then you've got Han Solo and Chewbacca. Oh, sure. And then Pulp Fiction. Who, this is where the quiz okay. comes in. Who's in Pulp Fiction? John Travolta, Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson. Yes, uh-huh. good for you. See, I had to look these up because I knew <laughs> the films, but I thought, okay, what is his name? Um, okay, so Pulp Fiction. Did we just do that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. Uh, Star Crazy. Gene oh. Wilder and Richard Pryor. Yeah. Yes, okay. Lethal Weapon. Danny Glover and... and- Mm, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay. I was going to say yeah. crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Neo-Nazi. <laughs> Something. Um, uh, let's see. Here's one you're not going to like, John, but I had to put it in <laughs> just for me. Okay. The Cowboys. Do y'all know the Cowboys? I you know who the John hot, Wayne, John Wayne, and Bruce Stern, and yeah, Bruce Stern's bad guy. He's but bad guy. remember the cook. That he be, yes, that they Roscoe, are, yeah, something. Roscoe Lee Brown, Roscoe Lee yes. Brown, which reminds me, I didn't even put this in the Dirty Dozen, you know, in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's not necessarily, buddy. Uh, Forty Eight Hours, my favorite. That's Nick Nolte and Eddie, uh, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Yes, good for you. Okay. My sister says I'm a wealth of useless knowledge, so that's why I'm spouting this Hey, off. that's me. She'd be so proud of me. That's me. We should start a podcast together. My genre. Um, okay, so yeah, it, it, mine would be called the wealth of useless knowledge. The problem at my age now is I have to write it down because I can't yes. remember the use, useless knowledge I had. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that sort of that male bonding, I just thought about how that kind of fits with this whole idea of the American Civil War. And not only did the soldiers help each other, they bonded. And, you know, it, that reminded me, too, because I read this book when I was a kid. But in, And it's, di- it's really quite a different story. Um, the uh, Gone with the Wind book, mm-hmm. in that book, they take, and they, I think they do it in the movie too, but I'm not sure. They take the wounded guy to the house of ill repute, repute to actually get him out of the sight of the soldiers or the people. Okay. And this is after the war. Do you remember, do you, if you know that book or know the movie at all, but they take him there, and I think it's, Scarlet's husband, and he's maybe dead or maybe not. I don't know. But anyway, you know, she had a lot of husbands. So um, so anyway, they and it, it was interesting because she was the closest thing they had to hiding him and mm-hmm. putting him uh-huh. with somebody who could take care of him. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of cool, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but anyway, so I told but you I was going that, on yeah. a tangent here. But I think it's neat how that whole and I and so I had a question for you about that with other male nurses. I'm not talking homoerotic. I'm just saying, do y'all have a lot of things that you can talk about and how it's different? Do you think from female nurses talking or is your relationship with the female nurses 
the same kind of as it is with the male nurses? Because I know in my career, and I've been here, well, I came with the building. So <laughs> when, when, like, I've had what I call a lot of male friends that are teachers, and I tend to gravitate toward them more than female. I have a lot of female professors that I'm also friends with. Maybe a personality thing, but what do you think? But it's really interesting. I think there is probably, now this is just based on my own experience, sure. which was mostly working in, uh, like I said, the pediatric world. But I would say there was a little bit different relationship between, I guess there was only one other male nurse and then some of the respiratory therapists were nurses. Mm -hmm. There there probably is a difference in how we interact. It almost, I mean, it, it's ridiculous for us for a white male to say anything about being a minority, but in that in that <laughs> in particular that setting, setting we were the minority. Yes. Yeah. And so there, there was a little bit of a bond there probably. And I'll, I'll take it one step further too. I, um, uh, I am gay. So I don't, that may have actually influenced how I felt uh -huh. more comfortable interacting with people and not. So, you know, it may be that the straight male nurses were not even as comfortable interacting with me as the female ones would have been. So you can throw that element in there too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's, that's a whole different ball game. Sure. And, you know, a lot of people misread that homoeroticism as something that is gay and it's not. He's right. just saying men like hanging out with men. Well, yeah. Sure. Yeah. We, yeah. We I mean, we, yeah. we, we want to build a water slide off the top of the building. <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, and, and the women in our lives are like pointing out, you will break something if you do this. But sure. we're like, we don't have that part of our brains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except for me, and I'd be, yes, do it, do it. I want to see who, gets, who breaks something first. <laughs> I had all brothers, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, there is literature out there that talks about uh, – um, you know, some of the difficulties that male nurses have, sure. um, there, there's still some gender discrimination. Um, they still um, uh, are reports of um, uh, males feeling a disrespect from their female peers. Um, yeah. Also with their, uh, you know, their supervisors, their female supervisors and, and things like that, and as well as from patients. You know, yeah. from you know, yeah. there are some patients, and we've already you know touched on that that they prefer a female nurse, uh -huh. um, the males or the doctors, and you know, of course, <laughs> yeah, you know, we can go down that road too. You know, sure. that's not always sure. the case anymore. Yeah. So um, the the discrimination is still out there, but the diversity and those numbers changing uh -huh. um, can only improve that. I really think. It sure. Yeah. The other fact that I thought was interesting, it kind of makes sense in some ways just on site. I don't know. Y'all could probably speak to this more. But the other fact that I saw is that most male nurses are in psychiatric hospitals. Or there are more male nurses. That's not how to say that. There are more male nurses in psychiatric hospitals than anywhere else. And I always thought that might be because you know, there's a sometimes when people have fits or whatever, they've got to be strong enough to handle it. I'm not saying women couldn't, but it seems more likely. I know I couldn't, but sure. you know, I, I would say that's the only. I, I don't. I would not say I've ever faced any kind of discrimination as a male nurse at all. Yeah. I mean, other than the you know the, the occasional patient who prefers male or female, oh, but sure. but there is definitely a thing about being a male nurse and be sort of being expected to be the one who handles the violent patient and who, yeah. or, or who, oh, I'm sure. yeah. Or, <laughs> uh, 
kind of doing stereotypes on that. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched Nurse Jackie, mm-hmm. but on the show Nurse Jackie, and I can't remember the actor's name, but Thor was this big, physically huge dude. And anytime they had a problem with a, a patient that was acting out, call Thor. And, and you know, and right. he even has this sure. kind of Viking, you know, God name and, you know, roll yeah. with that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. Sure. Well, yeah. that's and, interesting. But that, that's one thing I read. And I and then it reminded me, I had this really fine student several years ago, and he was actually a writer and wrote very well and won some national prizes. But... He worked. He was a great big football player guy, but he didn't play football because he wasn't rugged. You know, he was a writer. He was much more likely to want to read and write than go out and play football. But anyway, he was hired and he was not a nurse. He was just a helper. And there's probably a term for that. But anyway, he worked indicator in the psych ward. But and I said, well, I know why why they hired you because you know he was so tall and big and everything, mm-hmm. um, and he said he he enjoyed the work, but he didn't want to do it for his whole life, you know. Right. But it it does kind of make sense. And then I think about like Nurse Ratchet, you know, and <laughs> um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, mm-hmm. and so she was pretty tough, but it sort of makes sense. So I, I imagine if, you know, I would be the one, I'd be saying, you know, you know, I'm I'm a feminist, but I'd be saying, hey, help me over here because sure. I'm yeah. not big enough to handle that. Mm-hmm. In, in, in a way, it does make sense. And and going back to the whole stereotypical male personality yeah. thing, when, when something like that happens, you do, you kind of do want to be the one that's like, well, not on my unit. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> but when you really get down to it, I don't have any addition, I don't have any more training or equipment or any, you know, anything than any other nurse and really i don't think any nurse should be expected to be exposed to violence i agree Uh, so it's it's you know in a way it it makes sense but in a way it's very unfair also yeah yeah well do they is there anything that you would say needs to be done to prevent nurses to be to not be exposed like should there be people that are there just for that? Because you, you never know, right? I mean, it can oh, yeah, happen you never at know. any time. Sure, sure. And there are. I mean, hospital security, that's what they're Okay, that's, that's what, what they're, they're for. there for. Okay, so really good. the correct move is to step back and let them handle it. Yeah. And I've seen yeah. police, I've seen, you know, community police come into the hospital for uh-huh. that kind of thing as okay. well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will say it is so common that it's it's almost impractical to call security anytime somebody's acting a fool. (laughs) Frequently act a fool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's patience, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. correct. Yeah. Because I'm sure that you have other people acting crazy. Sure. That are just with patients. Sure. And it's it's a little bit easier to get them out if they are a threat. But you have to you still have to take care of the the foolish patients in addition (laughs) to the not foolish ones, you know. I think it's interesting because I think I would have a hard time with that, not only for the medical reasons, but also just not knowing what was coming next. That that would kind of worry me. I, I kind yeah. of know exactly how my day's going to go, pretty sure. much. I mean, nobody can know for sure, but, you know, I know, oh, I'm going to teach these people. Oh, yeah. I'm mean, going to yeah. do this. And, yeah. You sure. Know. You have to be flexible. Right. You know, right. Sure. So, yeah. Is that, is that something that, that maybe drew you both in, into that, that just sort of, unpredictability on a day-to-day basis or 
I would say so for me, which I, I got into EMS when I was really young in high school. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that, yeah, I was all about the adrenaline and the, you know, let me handle yeah. the worst of the worst. And now I'm 40 and I'm not, you know, I hand out cholesterol medicine all day. I don't necessarily, <laughs> I don't necessarily need to be in those adrenaline situations anymore. But that probably was part of what drew me. Yeah, yeah. And and, and me too. I mean, I, I liked the variety. Right. It wasn't the same thing every day. Right. And, People are so different. You never knew what you would get from a day-to-day uh-huh. basis, you know. So, yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about. Yeah, that know, is when so I was cool for you to say that because I've often thought I liked variety, but your variety, what you like, is different. Way because, different from ours. Yeah, I like the variety within a format. <laughs> yes, yes, you just like variety, mm. which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not that person. <laughs> <laughs> But that would be cool. And that's what, you know, and that's what we struggle with with our students is to let them know and and get them to understand they can't think the same thing every day about every patient. Right. You know, two and two is not always four in nursing Mm -hmm. or in healthcare. Right. You know, right. um, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's five, you know, yeah, and, it's, yeah. and there's so much gray. And so it's, it's a different way of thinking, a different way of approaching mm-hmm. things. And so getting them to see that and understand that and practice that, it's difficult mm-hmm. sometimes, but um, they get there. They get I like there. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I've got probably two questions and, and they're both related. Um, and one of one of the things that, that Sheila had, and I have started actually this week is we're doing one episode as just medical stories. And it's focused on faculty, any faculty that we can kind of trick into coming in and, and, and talking about themselves. Because like something that you just mentioned a second ago, that the different patients respond to different things and, and stuff like that. And that's kind of where we were going. And the thing that I talked about on that episode was when I first got to Calhoun, about a year after I had been here, we were moving, we were moving house. And I thought that I had a hold of a file cabinet and it was good. And I didn't. And my left knee, I just popped the ACL and ripped the MCL. And the weirdest thing was it didn't hurt. And and I went to the ER and they were like, yeah, you've done this. And then I went to the orthopedist and I I was telling him about it. He was like, wow, you are so tough because like that didn't hurt. And I was like, no, it just didn't kick on in my head that it hurt. It looked painful, (laughs) but for some reason with me, it just didn't (laughs) didn't register. Yeah. Um, Without violating uh, HIPAA. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Without violating HIPAA, don't do that. But what's... uh, like a, a weird, unusual kind of case like that, maybe that you guys have seen. Oh gosh! Oh man! I'm terrible at this game. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this just popped into my head while we were sitting here, so I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Well, I, I've I've got one. Okay. To ask about too. On top of that, it might be easier uh, because it might narrow it down a little bit. Have you? Can you tell that some people have a very a much higher tolerance for pain than others? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh mm-hmm. yes. So yes. what what's what's a situation if you can tell us somebody that you thought had the most incredible um tolerance for pain? Well, I I worked for several years in a urology office in Athens. Mm-hmm. And um that I don't know if you know, I don't know if you know this, but 
Kitty Stones is very prevalent in North Alabama. Very yes, prevalent. My husband has so had them. we would have patients that would come in with kidney stones. And I have seen some of the biggest rugged to use your word, um biggest guys you can imagine who you would think could not be any tougher be in the floor squalling like babies. Mm-hmm. And then the women walk in holding their back going, good Lord, my back is hurting. <laughs> so there's just a, you know, so there's that, that women toughness yeah. versus it's just your expectation of, yeah. uh, you know, and if your expectations are not always, you know, not always accurate. Yeah. What, you know, what yeah. you think you're going to get. What you think you're going to get yeah. that stereotypical yeah. kind of yeah. um, sure. thing Let that you reiterate. see. Let me reiterate. Women have babies. Women have babies. They <laughs> handle a kidney yeah. stone. I, I have a friend that has kidney stones. She actually works here. She has kidney stones quite often, and she'll come to work and say, well, i got a kidney stone. And mm-hmm. when my husband had the only one he's ever had, and he's a big guy, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, I don't know what's wrong with me. And, I, and he's, not, he's not the kind of person that gives in to pain very much. Mm-hmm. But boy, that day, I thought, uh, he, yeah. he's going to mm-hmm. die today. Mm-hmm. Sure. It scared it's, me. It, it's very scary. It's yeah. very scary. Yeah, but, I, and um, it seems like it's situational. Like that, my knee didn't hurt, <laughs> but like, guys, I am not a tough individual. Like if you were to slap <laughs> me in the nose, I would probably tear up really easy. <laughs> it's just that. And so it's like, Big traumatic thing that seems scary. My brain's like, no, you can't handle any of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just that, you know, just unfortunately, it's just our, oh, there's a word I'm thinking. I can't, it's not coming to me, but just stereotypical thoughts about, you know, this is what I expect and yeah. this is not always what, not you, what say. you get. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but people are funny. I mean, people are funny. And I mean, I enjoy their differences, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. I, and because and, you never know what you're going to get. You don't right. know if this patient's going to be in the floor or if they're going to just be going, oh, I got a cramp, you know. I mean, you uh-huh. just never know. So, yeah. you know, variety. I love it. <laughs> I might be able to cover both of your questions at once. We, okay. we used to have this little girl when I worked in recovery at Women's and Children's that would come in that had some sort of, I don't know if there was a name for it, but she has some sort of congenital condition where she just doesn't feel pain. And so she would come in with broken bones. Oh, wow. Have to get them fixed. I mean, multiple times during the time that I worked there. And, she, you know, she was covered in wounds and things because she'd be, you know, she was a normal kid. Otherwise, yeah. she'd be out playing and Ooh. doing whatever. And she, you know, she'd come in with her arm flopping around and they'd go, oh, it looks like you broke your arm. I guess we better go to the hospital. And wow. I'll tell you, she was the best patient to take care of after surgery because she was fine. You know, she woke <laughs> yeah. up and everything was cool and she got to go home. But yeah. That was, that's probably one of the more unusual um, situations I've been involved with, but that also involved the, the pain tolerance situation. Yeah. She, I guess she was, you could look at it as she's either very lucky or very unlucky to have that superpower. I, yeah, I think that for me, that would be very unlucky because it would be like, a, I'm going to throw myself off the roof because I can. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, John, that's you. Yes. <laughs> and, and I've always wondered what, I mean, she was roughly nine or 10 at the time. So I've always wondered what, you know, the rest of her life was going to be like with that. Yeah, you know, I I think that's interesting because if that is, you know, like you said, you'd throw yourself off through. Yeah. I would probably hurt myself, and then I would just say, "Oh, that's fine. It'll it'll be fine." And and that might need really need something, you know, like an arm set. Yeah, and I just yeah. think, well, I can do without that for a while. <laughs> and we see, and we see that people. Who, oh, I'm sure. You know, they wait to go to the hospital after an injury. Yeah, because I mean, I'm one of you know, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So. 
When I will tell you in general, if you ever wonder who has the high pain tolerance, it's not the people who say, I have a very high pain tolerance. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Ever notice that? Yes. I yes. Have. That's yeah. a key right there. Yeah. No, you yeah. don't really. Yeah. <laughs> you just think you do. Which is always followed by, but. <laughs> well, and also, you know, there's no way to know. Sure. Yeah. From yourself, I mean, I know what I might think I can stand or what I've withstood, but compared to other people. Sure. You know. It's hard to know. Sure. You're your own individual. Uh Mm Uh-huh. That's that variety. There's that variety. Yes, ma'am. Makes sense. So. Very, very cool. Um, You, since you are are both, are are we about ready to wrap up? Do you have any more questions? No, I I, I did my stuff. Do you guys have anything that you sort of just want to speak out into the world? I do have a little interesting point about the, the whole gender of doctors and nurses thing to go back to what you were saying a little bit earlier. So mm-hmm. I I took over a practice from a female physician. So and a lot of her patients were very like they wanted a female doctor. Uh-huh. And when we took over that when we took over that practice, we tried to find a physician to come in and take over it, but we we could not. So not only were they going from female to male, they were going from physician to nurse practitioner. Oh, wow. And so it's it's been very it's been a very interesting case study in that whole gender dynamic thing in my mm-hmm. little practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have people that we have people that don't care. We have people that have left because they really wanted a female. And and it's very interesting to me to notice how many of her former patients will. Will when they're speaking about her, they will they will call her Miss Miss Emily. Oh yeah, or Miss McClure. She's a doctor, you know. She's mm-hmm. Doctor McClure, and then patients also will call me Doctor Jody or Doctor Marks, and I'm not, you know. I'm a nurse <laughs> practitioner. I don't have any kind of doctorate degree. Yeah. But people will still refer to me as doctor, even and I, now I don't pretend to be. They know I'm not a doctor. I don't like <laughs> yeah. pretend to be a doctor. Um, right. But that's that's a very interesting little case study in that yeah. whole, yeah. Yeah. Okay, whole so, gender situation. You know, huh. my big thing about that is that this just kills me. I don't know if I've said it on here before, but one of the things, and and Dr. Ray feels the same way. I think she'll be okay with me saying this about her because we're friends. You know, if she's not, she, she can just tell me. Don't ever do that again. But anyway, we have students that don't, you can say on the syllabus, Dr. Byrd, mm-hmm. whatever, they will call me Miss every time. Same with her. And and she, I think she has told classes, I've never done this, but she's told classes before, look, I, I worked hard to get that, and I want to be, I want you to call me doctor. Yeah, right. right, absolutely. But we've heard the same thing all of our lives, that every man is a doctor mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. You know, and and there are lots that are not. And that's OK. I'm just saying it's such a stereotypical thing that hasn't left yet. No, and it, actually, one thing that I don't like about our email here, you know, is that it has our first name on it, which I don't care if people know my first name. But the fact that it does, it just says Sheila dot bird, you know. Well, the thing about it is. It, it leads now, students, and I think it comes from maybe kindergarten. I don't know. They have they have actually referred oh, to me yeah. as Miss Sheila. Wow! And so the last time a girl said that, and this just popped out of my mouth. I didn't mean to embarrass her, but I said, "I am your professor 
not a palm reader. Because Miss Sheila sounds like somebody that reads, oh, I'm going to tell your Yeah, give me your hand, I'm going to tell your fortune. I just couldn't believe it. Since you mentioned that, it reminded me, I have been called Dr. John. Which sounds like I need to go and start a blues band. Yeah, which I, I say, absolutely you, will. You wanna, that would be a fun thing but, to do. Yeah, I've I've gotten Doctor John on that, and I was kind of wondering where I got that from. But yeah, it must be the same Miss Sheila, Doctor well, John. Yeah, because, they. I wonder if in high school. See, I do think you shouldn't call your teacher. I'm just old school that way. I don't think you should call your teacher by their first name, yeah. even if you put. Doctor or Mister or Ms. or Mrs., which they don't know the difference in anyway. Yeah. So I don't, I don't get it. You know, I think that's really odd. Sure. I agree. And if if somebody wants to do that, hey, good for you. I'm just not one of them. Yeah. You sure. Know? Yeah. And uh, it's very odd. Do you get anything like that, Mom? I get, some, I get some of that. Not a lot. No. 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 Um. But I'm no. glad you brought that up because I know that happens. It just surprises me that it's still happening. Right. Yeah. You know, after right. all these years. I mean, it happened all the time when I first got here, but, you know, we're talking 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, yeah. and it's and, still happening. Yeah. But it's so, gotten worse because now it's Miss Sheila. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just the, um, I think it's the change in our communication practices. Sure. Everything is done with. Yes, you know, texting, texting, texting and things like Email that and, instead of face to face, and so there's a yeah. there's a familiarity and a casualness, yes. and a casualness with that texting yes. that you know most of us don't have that casualness yeah. when we're talking to. And we do when if it's a peer, right. but we're not peers. But generally, right. I don't talk to my students about. Well, I never call her Ms. Ray because I never have. I never say, well, if you have Ms. Ray or if you're going to have Leanne, I don't say that. I say, if you're going to have Dr. Ray, you can take this and this and this. Mm-hmm. So, or anybody else, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. And yeah. and it's it's just odd to me for yeah. that to just come out of, Miss Sheila, really? <laughs> sure, yeah. It is odd. Unless somebody's giving you permission, like, please just call well, me my first name. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's fine. Right. I'm just not going to do it. No. Right. right. And nobody know. should assume that. Yeah. Right. Well, see, Jody yeah. was my student in the bridge program. And I cannot get him to call me Stacy no. to save my life. It, he won't do He's a peer. He's yes. here. And I have the same I, thing. He said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I yeah, said, it's okay. Not. He won't yeah. do it. No. I have, no. I have, I've, I've taught a lot of people that are here now, not necessarily to just all over, and they still call me Dr. Bird, and I'm like, don't do that. And I had students that are at other places now at schools teaching and mm-hmm. everything, and, and they will still, and I'll say, don't, don't do no. that. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, you've spent the night at my house, really. It's okay. Come on, it's okay. Oh, I'm sorry, so. you're stuck. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah, my advisors, my advisors are Dr. Barr and Dr. Carlson. Oh, I and understand they are because permanently yeah. Dr. Barr, and Dr. Carlson, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Yeah. McGlynn, who is has already passed away, who was one of my favorite teachers. I still refer to her as Dr. McGlynn, and mm-hmm. I mean, I spent the night at her house. We went places together. 
we were friends afterwards, but I couldn't, I could not call her. I can't even say her name on the air because she's not <laughs> sure. she will yeah. always be Dr. McLean. Yeah. Sure. The, yeah. the physician I work with is somebody that I grew up with. We played baseball together, you know, in Little League. We're the yeah. same age. In uh-huh. every other way, we're peers, but he's a physician. He's my boss. So at, at work, he's Dr. James. It's not. Yeah. Well, of course. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And that's, that's that, probably and that's something be, we should yeah. push a little bit. Mm. You know, I mean, our students sometimes need to know that. Sure. You know, so, um, yeah. and I, I try to do it in a, in a not, you know, in not a negative yeah. way. It's hard not to do it in, no, I'm not, you know, I, right. I, I can't do say. it that way. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I just always try to make it funny and say, don't do that. Well, it's just basic respect, I think. And yeah. I, I even go out of my way. You know, we have patients who have PhDs and are dentists and chiropractors and whatever. And I, I go out of my way to address them as doctor. And I, well, you know, in that in that particular dynamic, I probably don't have to. But well, you, you, you know, don't, but they are a doctor, and I'm not, so I'm yeah. more conscious of. Well, it, you know, I guess. one of the nicest things that I ever experienced, which I thought was fantastic. Of course, he was a great doctor. My rheumatologist, who has since retired, used to refer to me as Doctor Bird, and mm-hmm. I would say, "Oh, don't do that. I'm not a medical doctor," you know. Mm-hmm. And he would say, well, you, you, we just talk a lot about literature, so I feel like I should call you Dr. Bird. I thought that was kind of was him nice. and unusual in some ways, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I like to say that we are the kind of doctors that don't help people. Not true. Not true. I like it, though. I do, too. It's kind of squirrely. True or not true. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the last thing that we do every episode is um, you guys, since we have two guests, you guys get to pick which color dye you All right. want. Pick one, Daddy. Well, you no, both please, have Dr. Powell. Yeah. You first. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> All right. Okay. And uh, just I'm, roll it in that box when it's time. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to ask uh, you a question. Um, if, uh, no, actually, if, I'm sorry, but if you guys get a heavy question, you're just going to be required to answer <laughs> it. Yeah, I'm no. John, why are you saying that? Because they have interesting history stuff. Okay. Oh, Lord. Okay. See, sometimes he says, if you get a, if you get a question that, Kind of breaks your heart or whatever. You don't want to talk about. You can get a pass on it. So I'm going to make him do that. Okay. There there is one question that if it's diff, if I read it and you get that one and you're like, "Mm, no, I will just. We'll, okay. we'll throw another. We'll one. do a different one. So, all right. All okay. right. She was he was going to throw y'all nice. under the bus. Okay. All right. So, uh, whichever one of you like to roll first. Number four. Four. Okay. Uh, tell us something embarrassing or silly about yourself. And now, just before you go, Sheila and I did an entire episode where we answered we every single these, one so. of these. So, oh my lord, something embarrassing <laughs> or silly about me? <laughs> wow, I'm nervous. Um, probably, I don't know that it's embarrassing. Well, that's why I put silly because. Well, um, there back in the in nineteen ninety nine, two thousand era when the Backstreet Boys were very very popular, mm-hmm. um, I was a huge Backstreet Boy fan, mm-hmm. 
Uh, me and um, Ginger West, we traveled all over the country to Backstreet Boys. Concerts. Oh, cool. Right. And we were the cool. oldest people in the entire uh, <laughs> auditoriums, stadiums, whatever it was. Um, and there's actually a teen magazine uh-huh. that has me in the audience. <laughs> really? Do you have a copy of it? I do. I do. Yes. That's so cool. Yes. I like it. Of course, Ginger was mad because she wasn't there, and she was right beside me, but they cut her out, and I was there. <laughs> So, well, yes. you were the star. I was apparently I was. Yeah, yeah. there we go. So that, you know, now I look back on that, I'm like, that's kind of silly. But boy, we had a good time when we no, were traveling. Yeah. So. Hey, look, weird thing about me is I can shoot a bird with both feet, with both of my t- feet, my toes. I can shoot a bird. Oh, okay. So I you know, there can't be any more embarrassing than that. <laughs> I'm still a huge Backstreet Boys fan. I love That's my go to yeah, like yeah. for working out. Love there you it. go. Love there it. you go. Yeah. All right, well, Jody, you're turn. Twelve. Oh, and you got the heavy one. I got question. the heavy one. Oh, gosh. All right. I'm not okay. shying away from it. No. I don't want to get don't, any tears on your microphone. Okay. I'm not shying away from it. Uh, is there a particular topic that you cover in class that breaks your heart or is difficult for you to get through? Sure. Yeah. Anything that involves uh, kids. Yeah. Anything that involves children. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's going to happen right now, probably. Oh. <laughs> we just covered SIDS, you know, sudden, yeah. sudden infant death syndrome oh, in class gosh. the other night. And I, I had to stop several times, which I my I, I can't keep emotion out of my voice. Oh, I don't yeah. know how people sing and perform, you know, in emotional situations and keep talking. I can't do it. Um, but yes, I was. I mean, I was up there crying in front of the whole class. I had to stop several times. I've got uh, a couple of lectures like that, but mm-hmm. it just which I think is I interesting because he worked PDR and and has worked with children and I see you know. I'm sorry. Well, I think that is why. I mean, I don't have children. Yeah. You know, a lot of I know a lot of medical people struggle with, you know, they they deal with a kid and they think about their own children. I don't have that. Yeah. uh, You you know, I've I've been around my share of pediatric deaths and bad things happening to kids. And so I think probably that experience is why it affects me more emotionally, because otherwise it would just be something reading out of a textbook. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. But, yeah. uh, but, but it I have shows the most that. important thing is empathy. That's what you, sure. you've got to have that. Sure. Right. Yeah. And it, it was interesting. One of the students who I don't know came, came up to me after that lecture and said, thank you so much for showing us your, your humanity and being you know yeah. real with us. Yeah. Here, so. I, yeah. I had that one yeah. time. I, I, uh, I've had that before. My my brother, like, he finished medical school, and then uh, he was diagnosed with terminal colorectal cancer. Wow. And in class, not related except for cancer, I was talking about Nabby Adams, who is John Adams' daughter. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. And there's a really good art- article if you guys want me to uh, send it to you later. But I was going through her diagnosis and, and the surgery and stuff in class. And my voice just, I just kept on breaking. And, and yeah. I had a student afterwards that yeah. came up, and, you know, she was like, thanks for going through that. And, you know, talking about that a little bit because something happened similarly to my mom and, you know, right. and sure. I thought that was really super cool after a lot. I was like, holy crap, you know, I, yeah. that, right. was, that was neat that I had that student come up. Yeah. So. yeah, right. Yeah, I almost never get any feedback about anything I say, that's <laughs> good or bad. So it was, that was a nice moment for that to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, very, very cool. Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, all right. Thank you guys so, yeah, so thank very you. much. Absolutely. Thank you for thank having you. us. For yes. joining us. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you are thinking about going into the nursing program, uh, Calhoun's is excellent. I, I've heard tremendously good things about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son's considering going into nursing, and, and he's definitely 
you know, getting steered here because uh, of how wonderful I've heard about you guys. Yeah, great. We awesome. hear great things from students wonderful. all the time wonderful. about the nursing program. Good. Love Good. It. That's great. That's great. Good. Right. Thank you. Thank you very Thank you much. much. We enjoyed it. We Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks. All right, that does it for this episode of Knowledgeable Provider. I'm your host, Jody Marks. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like or subscribe or follow and leave a nice five-star review. And as always, stay safe, take care of yourself, and take care of your patients in that order.